0: Welcome back to another episode of the Test Studio Times podcast with your hosts, Sam Austria and Ben Dixon. It's finally game week. The summer is behind us. We are here. Maryland football will play its first game of the season, the season opener against Buffalo at home on noon in College Park uh, this coming Saturday. It's Wednesday today, August 31st. We're about to make that transition to September, officially fall. Ben,
1: it's game week. How are we feeling? Feeling great. I uh, can't believe it's here. Um, you know, Loxley said it was like Christmas morning when on um, the first day of fall camp. Now it's actually here. The buzz is here, you know, there's some good games tomorrow. Week zero's already happened, college football season's in full swing, and you know, just just can't wait for this game Saturday and, and this Maryland season. Yeah, it is finally here. And yesterday we
0: had the, the media day um that we'll have every single week on Tuesdays. And then we'll record these podcasts on Wednesdays and get them out, talking about the week, the game, the week before, and previewing the game um, that's coming up for Maryland football. Obviously, there was no game last week. The season openers this week against Buffalo. So we're going to get into the depth chart that was released yesterday. Um, who won some of those starting job battles? We're going to get into a, a huge Buffalo preview and a whole lot more. Um, let's start with the depth chart because you know, like the excitement, excitement that's around this team right now is because. It's the most talented roster that Loxley's had entering a season. And it's the most talented roster probably Maryland's had in maybe decades. And that's why there's so much excitement. And it really does feel like Christmas night or Christmas day when the season's here, because this team has more expectation than any team has had in a long time. So the first thing I want to talk about on the depth chart is the running back battle, because that was something that um, everyone kept a close eye on. There's a lot of inexperience. Obviously, Tyon Fleet Davis was the premier back last year. He left um he exhausted his eligibility he left college so there was a lot of inexperience and who's listed on the top of the depth chart for this week week one it's roman hemby uh the uh the red shirt freshman uh played a little bit last year but and then colby mcdonald's right behind him and antoine littleton is number three were you surprised what What are your impressions of, of the running back depth shirt
1: i wouldn't say surprised i think um you know, I worked on the running back preview piece this summer, and I think just basing off last season's stats, you would, you know, predict that Colby McDonald might have had the upper hand because, you know, he played a little bit more. Roman Hemby still got, uh, excuse me, still has the red shirt freshman designation while Colby McDonald is a sophomore. That's because, you know, Roman Hemby only played in four games or less last year. But obviously, you know, he had the better off season. Um, uh, you know, according to Loxley, he's he's Mr. Consistency, a guy they can depend on in the pass protection game with the ball in his hands. He can do everything. And, you know, he's gonna play three or four running backs. It's gonna be the three guys listed on the depth chart, Hemby, and then right behind him, McDonald and Littleton. And then, of course, the freshman Ramon Brown will get some playing time as well. Um, But I think probably just a well-deserved honor for Roman Hemby. Can't say I'm surprised. Uh, I think last week we were at practice, I noticed, you know, that Colby McDonald was working with the twos and Roman Hemby was working with the ones. Um, Obviously, they probably switched those guys up a little bit during practice. But, you know, there was the feel that Roman Hemby might have been the guy to earn that job, and he he definitely did. Um, You know, all these guys will play, like I said, but for him to have, you know, the number one distinction is definitely a big deal. It's definitely telling that, you know, Loxley gave him the nod o- over these other guys, but all will play. Um, I-, I think good for Roman Hemby though. And he's a guy who should, you know, have an impact as, you know, home run hitter per pass protection guy uh, catching out of the backfield, uh, running with the ball in his hands can, can do it all. So excited to see what he can do. Yeah.
0: It's hard to be surprised just based off everything we've been hearing throughout the spring and obviously the fall leading up to the season, but just based off last season, I think, um, what with when Teon Fleet Davis left, it was the expectation was kind of that Colby McDonald might have been the premier back just because he got more carries than anyone else on the roster. He obviously had uh sixty carries, sixty attempts last season for 325 yards. Roman Hemi only had 17 attempts uh for 71 yards and he only played three games, which is why he gets that red shirt designation and Colby McDonald doesn't. But as the as the offseason went on, you're right, Loxy talked about it. He said Roman Hemby kind of earned that spot. It's not just what he does in the running game. It's what he does in pass protection too, which is just as important as they're trying, as they're going to be a pass heavy offense. They need, they need that running back to be a good blocker. And so, but I mean, the thing is about it is this isn't like, yes, it's a depth chart. They need to list a starter. But it's not Roman Hemby is the the starter. Maybe he will start the game on, on, on Saturday. But he's not the starter for this team. It's going to be a running back by committee. They're going to split a lot of carries, a bunch of them. All of them are these three guys, Roman Hemby, Cole McDonald, Antoine Littleton, are going to get a ton of opportunity. And it's really if there's one that breaks through more than the other, maybe two uh, break through more than another one, that guy is going to be the guy progresses. So it's not really just because you're the starter for, uh, on listed on the depth chart for this week doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be the starter in two or three weeks down the road
1: right it could be kind of you know riding that hot hand uh sort of mentality um all these guys are capable i think in in big 10 play and it, and it obviously depends on the offensive line as well a line that you know these guys feel very comfortable running behind that's what colby mcdonald said in the spring um but yeah you, you can't be surprised uh by roman Hemby and and you know He showed us what he could do in the spring game, took, I think, a 45-yard touchdown, breaking some tackles on the way. He's got that home run ability. um, And it seems like, he, you know, he might be the most complete back on this team. And and the depth chart indicates that for week one.
0: Yeah, so just going down the rest of the depth chart, there's really no other huge surprises on it uh the offensive lines exactly what we expected those five starters that finished season last year jalen duncan at left tackle uh mason lunsford at left guard centers Joh- johari branch um and then right guard is spencer anderson and right tackles delmar glaze those are the five guys that finished last year the center position johari Branch had some experience at center last year um but th- they've rotated a lot like jalen duncan is really versatile really versatile he can play all over spencer anderson can play all over so just because johari branch is listed as a center and will start the season as the center. He's another guy that may not necessarily, may, may be shifted around the offensive line because they have a talented and, and versatile group. Um, just going down the receivers, obviously Dante Demas is back, John, uh, Jay Sean Jones, Rakim Jarrett, Jacob Copeland. Those are the guys. Another, another big battle that people were talking about, there was some uncertainty, is the tight end battle, and CJ Dupree is listed as the, as the number one tight end over uh, Corey Deitchett's excuse me, Corey Deitchis, that um, was a former wide receiver and is now a tight end. So any surprises there or anything notable to you?
1: Uh, I think if you told me that in the spring, I probably would have been a little surprised. I think from what we've heard about C.J. Dupree, he's a guy, C.J. Dupree, excuse me, a guy who had a monster camp, um, a guy that, you know, they said yesterday they call him Gronk uh, because he's just, he he gives that sort of presence as, as a pass catcher and a blocker. Um, maybe more of of a pure tight end than than Corey Dyches, who you know spent the spring in the receiver room, was you know receiver coming out of high school, um, and, and we saw Dupree working with the ones in practice last week as well. So not necessarily surprised as of this release. However, you know we know Maryland football; they're going to use these two tight end sets where they throw you know Dupree and Dyches in the game at the same time. Could help both in the protection and the passing game. Kind of take some. You know, heat off that offensive line while we'll also giving Tugglevalo some options. You know that he's pretty fond of. Like he, he's got connections with both these guys, feels comfortable throwing to both these guys in the middle of the field. Um, yeah. So, and- so there's, I just, I, I mean, there's no surprise there. I, I think if anything, it's a good problem to have for Maryland that you know you could put either of these guys at starter.
0: Yeah, definitely, and and Corey Dychase is probably the better receiver, probably the better strictly pass catcher, just because of his, of his experience in the receiving room. But they were calling C.J. Dupree Gronk yesterday, just based off of how big he is, how athletic he is, and that's really going to help in the blocking game. So he's probably going to be the that better blocker. And they were saying like even just blocking defensive ends, he's capable of doing that, which you don't necessarily want to block a, a D end with a tight end. But if he's out there and, and put in that position, he's more than capable. Anything else on the offensive side of the ball that that is. I mean, there's no surprises, really. Just I mean, I guess Dante Dimas returning week one. We knew it. We knew it was happening when Bloxley said it at Big Ten Media Day like a month ago or so. But, I mean, just to think after that Iowa game that he would be playing at at Maryland in week one seems like a long shot. Same with Deshaun Jones, who got hurt that week later in the Ohio State game. Um, Jacob Copeland, the transfer, obviously. Octavian Smith Jr., who's impressed a little bit at camp. He's going to be behind uh, Rakim Jarrett as the freshman. Ty Felton, I mean, his sophomore, any, any other surprises? I mean, there's, or anything notable on the offensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say surprises. I I think it really is amazing that Dante Dimas is ready to go in week one. And he's looked good in practice from, you know, the few minutes that we're able to see when, when we go each week. Um, I think, Ty Felton listed as a starter alongside Jacob Copeland, the little or designation. Uh, don't want to look too deeply into that, but I think just maybe uh, a sign of respect to what Ty Felton has done. You know, a guy that the coaching staff has been really high on a guy that will make an impact and a guy that, you know, has developed a connection with Talia Tugabailoa. Um, I think, you know, he, as you know, the fifth best receiver, he's a player that can still make an impact, and he might be, you know, the sixth or seventh best catching option with with Dupree and Dike just thrown in the mix. I think it, it just it just shows it pays homage, you know, how good this Maryland and how deep this Maryland receiving core uh, can be. So that didn't really surprise me; caught my eye a little bit. Um, but you know, Copeland, Copeland's going to start there. I don't I don't think there's any any debate about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And look, I mean, this is when you go up and down this depth chart, this offense is so talented. We really can't say it enough, but they could be. I really think they're going to be the second uh, leading scoring offense behind Ohio State and how good they are really depends on the defensive side of the ball, which we'll get to in a minute. But this offense, I mean, the sky's the limit. I think they're going to be number two scoring offense behind Ohio State. Like I just said, it's just so the off the offensive line. There's so much depth. Obviously, Talia, we know what he's capable of, assuming he made improvements in, with his decision making, um, the emotions of a game, which he's talked about a lot, and just the receiving core is is also the second best in the Big Ten, maybe the best even um, behind Ohio State there. Anything else or let's get to the defense side of the
1: ball? Uh, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, his offense looks really good and, and I'm excited to see it in action this weekend.
0: Yeah, nothing too crazy, I would say, on the defense side of the ball that we weren't expecting either. Obviously, uh, the newcomer Jay Sean Barham, is a freshman. Um he, he's getting that starting nod. Same with Vendarius Cowan, not a freshman, but a uh, transfer from from West Virginia, um in the quarterback room, Jacorian Bennett, Tarheeb still, uh, Bo Bo Brady, Dante Trader Jr., um, Deontay Banks who's returning from injury. There's there's not a lot of surprise like we've talked about all off season. The cornerbacks and 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 those defensive backs are the strong suit of the team. And if that defensive front can put pressure on the quarterback, it's going to make those jobs those guys' jobs even easier.
1: Without a doubt, I also think it's it's of note here um, as Ben Kessler, of the communications department, you know, let the media know yesterday Isaiah Hazel's not a starter. Uh, his name's bolded, but that that's a typo there. But this defense. You know, like you said, the newcomers very intrigued to to see what happens. I think Jayshon Barham being listed as a starter as just a freshman in his first you know collegiate game. Um, I think he, him, and Vandarius Cowan are probably the two guys I'm looking at for most heading into this week, just because linebacker is you know was a position of of need after they suffered a few major blows um, in the offseason with some really talented uh, players transferring from the program. Really excited to see how those guys perform. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the defensive side of the ball is is the question mark of this team, I think, just in general. The cornerback group is really strong, but the safeties are inexperienced. We've gone through that. Um, no no surprises, I don't think, um, starter-wise um, necessarily, but more so, I think, just a just question mark in general of how this defense will perform.
0: Yeah, I can couldn't agree more. I'm mean, there's there's a lot of uncertainty on that defensive front how much pressure they'll be able to put on a quarterback. But we'll get a sneak peek. Obviously it's not the competition that we'll see against Big Ten, but we'll get a sneak peek against Buffalo this weekend, which we'll get to that preview in a minute too. Um I I guess let's get if there's nothing else on defense, let's get to the, the kick returners, which you you took a special notice too. You asked Loxy about that yesterday. He had a nice little laugh about a kick returning question. Um, But right now, Deontay Banks is listed as the the number one kick returner, which we hadn't had a lot of experience in college, but as Loxley told us yesterday, he was uh, an elite running back in high school, and he's incredibly fast, incredibly athletic, so they feel comfortable based on what they've seen in practice of putting him back there to to return kicks. Roman Hemby is listed behind him, and the two punt returners are... Tarheeb Still, who had a f- fantastic year returning punts last year, of course, which culminated in the insane, I believe, 92-yard punt return in the Virginia Tech pinstripe bowl. And then Deshaun Jones is also listed as a punt returner, too, which is a little surprising uh, just, just based on the fact that he's coming back from an injury. Um, it's, it's kind of a position where you're more likely to get injured on those kick returns and punt returns. We saw Dante Dimas go down on that kick return. Um, but what are your impressions of, of those returners?
1: Yeah, I mean, the kick return question by me was a very serious question. Um, just give, uh, <laughs> even uh, if he left. even if he left. and and he he had a serious answer as well. But it, I think I think he was just you know happy for the change of pace and and uh, questioning there. But seriously, like we don't really know much about Deontay Banks as a kick returner. You know, at his time in Maryland, has no experience there. Um, Obviously coming off the injury last year, I'd like I'd like that Loxley did not put his best offensive players back there, as we saw, you know, with Dante Demas last year and having that, you know, awful injury um, against Iowa, uh, which, you know, kind of led to his his resurgence, you know, coming back this year. But interested to see what Deontay Banks does in the kick return game. We really don't know much there. But, you know, Loxley said that high school experience could help him. Um Punt returns, like you said, Sam, a little bit surprised um, about Jay Sean Jones being there just because, you know, it wasn't even his first injury last year. It was a second, you know, knee injury uh, that ruled him out last year. It's a dangerous position to play. I think we'll see Tarheeb still take the majority of those returns because, you know, Tarheeb still is also a very proven punt returner at this point in his career as well. Um, But yeah, I had no issue with the kick returner or punt returners other than, you know, the fact that maryland fans you know shouldn't be wanting to see jay sean jones there out there as much as you know a guy like Tarheeb.
0: yeah and i think it's gonna be more Tarheeb, not just because of the injury but just because Tarheeb still was electric last year and he all like he didn't have any season ending serious injury but he was a little banged up, banged mm-hmm. up throughout the season last year which might have hit, affected his play at cornerback but he was electric returning punts um so if if maybe they just don't put him back there as much so he can focus more on cornerback position that's the only really thing i can think of that why they wouldn't put him back there? Because he did a phenomenal job, and that that stuff really is important because it really can change games and help with field position. And what we're talking about special teams now, those field positions between those five, ten yard differences can be huge when you have a kicker like Chad Ryland, who's one of the best statistical kickers in the country, a transfer from East, Eastern Michigan. When he he can he has a ton of range. When he can legitimately kick the ball for 45, 50 yards away. Um, that really helps when, when you're getting those, those extra yardage gains on those kick returns and punt returns.
1: Absolutely. Really, really excited to see Chad Ryland in action just because, you know, they kind of hide, hide the kickers and the special teams and practice a little bit. So we haven't seen much, you know, 58 yard field goal in the scrimmage the other week, according to coach Loxley that we got to believe that one, um, and, yeah, like you said, it, it, the field position game just completely changes when, when you have a kicker like that, especially in college, because there's a lot of times when teams will pass up like a, a 43 or 45 yard because their kicker doesn't have the leg or he's not accurate enough. With Chad Ryland, you have a guy who you hope is, you know, Mr. Reliable at that kicking position. He could be the team's best scorer, and, and he just completely changes the, uh, you know, the look of this team uh, offensively, um, even even at the kicker position if if he can, you know. Kick a 50 yard or a 45 yarder consistently um, to get the Terps on the board.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Anything else on the depth chart you want to get to?
1: Um, no, Here not get to not the not Buffalo preview. True. We I think we get to the Buffalo preview. All now. right.
0: Well, it's week one. We're gonna every week we'll be breaking down whatever opponent Maryland's playing, and it's a non-conference slate. There's gonna be three non-conference games: Buffalo this week, Charlotte the following week, and then an SMU night game back in College Park um, for week three. But we're in week one, and it's against Buffalo, a MAC opponent, a team that struggled a little bit last year. Uh, they were four and eight overall in the uh, overall two and sixth uh, in the MAC East in that conference over there. They did improve the roster. They they really utilized the transfer portal really well. Their starting quarterback Cole Snyder, he's a Rutgers transfer. Um, that they they got a lot of depth transfers all over the roster, really from some legitimate Power Five programs, Louisville transfers, and wide receiver Justin Marshall. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, they have James Patterson, who's the brother brother who was a, a Washington Commanders player, as Loxley noted yesterday, but. He got cut yesterday. We'll see if he ends up on a roster. But his brother, James Patterson, who's on the defense side of the ball, linebacker for Buffalo, he, um, he's one of their, their best defenders, probably their best defender, and, and should be tough. And, you know, it was noted yesterday that their, their strength of their team really is their defensive front and, and getting to the quarterback. So we're gonna, so the offensive line for Maryland is going to have an immediate test, and so is Talia Tagavaloa. Obviously, it's not, it's not the defensive front of a Big Ten team but it is a good defensive front. So they're going to have an immediate test right off the bat in week
1: one. Yeah. Good test for talk about a oh, good test for this offensive line too, that, you know, we've been talking about the entire off season, how they've returned everyone, how this is going to be the best offensive line they've had in a while. And, to, you know, succeed in the big 10, you got to succeed in the trenches and it starts by dominating these non conference games at the line of scrimmage. Um, like you said, James Patterson, preseason, all American, a guy who, who's, you know, came back for his fifth year Going to pose a really big threat um, on that defensive end for the Bulls all season long, and then this transfer infusion that we talked about uh, at edge rusher, they got a guy Ibrahim Conte transferred from NC State. They they really brought in a bunch of name Power Five transfers, as you know, Celia Togavelo and Locksley both mentioned yesterday. Um, I think I think this team's going to have a different look than they did last year. Um, their head coach Bruce Linguis his first year last year was kind of put in a tough spot. At, as Loxley mentioned last year, hired in May, like that's really really late for the for the college football hiring cycle. Um, I think he basically just built his team with transfers. Um, led him to four. There were some injuries. There were four and eight. Um, but I don't know if that's a true reflection. I think this is a team that's you know going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, and you know while well, they won't push Maryland to the brink, they have you know these transfers, uh, the coaching, um, you know all Mac preseason all-american type returning players um that could give maryland the, a, a nice test in week one
0: yeah they do have a lot of guys on that preseason all mac team i think they're going to be one of the better teams in the mac conference um obviously it's, it's not a power five conference but just competing in in that mac conference which is a fun conference to watch and follow um it, it's going to be notable so i expect what you say. said maction not nothing like Maxion on a wednesday um so but on on a so i do think that they're, they're going to be an improved team from last year and they're not going to give Maryland a run for the money. I wouldn't say the line, according to DraftKings is uh 24, I believe. And then the over is 24, obviously in favor of Maryland, the over under in that game is, is 65. Do you, do you see either of those hitting Um and w- which side would you lean?
1: Um, it's, it's interesting to me just because Maryland is favored by so much, but the over under is so high. So they're expecting Buffalo to, to score some points here. I don't know if that's, you know, an indictment of, of the Maryland defense or respect for the Buffalo offense or a little bit of both.
0: Well, like like we said, there's kind of a little bit of unknown just because like Cole Snyder, Rutgers transfer, but like there's not, there's not a lot of footage on him out there. Um, And yeah, it might be a little slight to the Maryland defense as well.
1: Yeah, it it should be interesting because you, there's also more than Snyder on this offense. You know, a couple all-Mac returners at wide receiver and running back transfers from Louisville and Arizona at wide receiver. Like this, this is a team that, you know, their offense could, you know, have the look of of one of the better offenses in their conference. Uh, But look, going back to these odds, it it is kind of weird that, you know, Maryland could, you know, be projected to win by 24 points, but the over-under is around 65. So they're expecting, you know, maybe uh, Buffalo to to score, you know, a few touchdowns, um, which which wouldn't be out of the cards. I kind of like Buffalo uh, with the points. I think 24 is is a lot uh, for, you know, one for Maryland team whose defense is, is a little improving, like we said. And two, just for, you know, a Buffalo team that we expect to be better. It, it's the first game of the season. I think the line is probably fair just because, you know, it is the first game and there's only so much information available. And it is at the end of the day, a group of five opponent playing on the road against uh, a power five opponent that many expect to be, you know, a much improved team. So I think the line's fair. I, I, I like Buffalo to probably cover the 24 points and, um, Call me crazy, but I also like the, uh, the over as well. Um, I I think it will be a high scoring game. I don't think it'll be one of those, you know, defensive masterclasses by either side. I think this Maryland offensive explosion is is really going to happen in week one. It'll be a nice preview for what's to come this year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of points. Um, Maryland should win big, but I think keep it probably within 24. Don't know an exact score yet, though. I'll get back to you on that one.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to get back to me because we're going to do score predictions in a minute. But I agree that it's probably a fair line. Um, I mean, I think Maryland's at least 24 points better than this team from a um, pure roster and talent standpoint. But I don't necessarily think that means they're going to cover that 24. And, yeah, this is a pretty high number, but, you know, they expect – great obviously with Maryland you, you know they expect a phenomenal offense so it's it's reasonable that it's a high number and not the best defense and they're capable of, of getting scored on I, I you know I think um, Maryland's gonna win handily I don't think they're gonna have a problem at all but they do they haven't played against anyone since since late December other than them, themselves you know that that's always just a little bit of an adjustment there's no preseason college football you're gonna see um, some stupid penalties. You're going to see some drop passes. You're going to see some blown coverages because it's week one. And that's what happens against teams week one. That's why most opponents, not all, obviously there's some phenomenal matchups, but most of these power five schools schedule non-conference games against some weaker opponents in, the, in these early weeks of the season to kind of get that flow going before you get into a brutal uh, big Big Ten schedule. Um, so I agree. I'll give you a score prediction in a minute, but I do think Buffalo is going to cover too. And I'm actually going to go um, with, with the under here, under 65. Do you want to give a score prediction and we'll wrap
1: up? Yeah, we can give a score prediction. I think one thing I just wanted to note before we get to this, which was interesting from, you know, yesterday's media is that uh, Loxley does expect Buffalo to use, you know, more than just Snyder quarterback. He expects both quarterbacks. Um, I think that's probably Casey case is the backup or it could be Matt Myers. They're both listed. As the or on a, on second string, but you know linguist didn't mention anything of that in his presser yesterday. Should be interesting to see. Um, but yes, score prediction. Um, I think Buffalo pr- might cover the spread with a backdoor touchdown. I'm going to go mm. Maryland. You're going to go Maryland 42. Um, Buff, I got to I got I to gotta make a score prediction here that matches with with my over pick as well. Um, I, got, I got mine in my head. We'll go Maryland forty-five, Buffalo twenty-one. So let's go. Let's go with the push at twenty-four too We'll get okay. the, forty-five twenty-one. Would be what the over hits and the spread pushes forty forty-five. Over,
0: yeah, the over would hit by one point.
1: 45, 21. There we <laughs> so go.
0: People are gonna be sweating if that's the score. People are gonna yeah. be sweating that one out. Um. I'm gonna go thirty-eight seventeen Maryland. Um, I think they they they're, they're gonna be dominating the whole game. They're gonna have complete control of the game. I'm interested interested to see, uh, how much they run the football and how much how much success they have running the football against that defensive front because that's something Loxy's talked about. Is they want to run the football. They know their pass heavy attack. Every opponent will know that that's their strong suit. But if you can establish the run, it makes it makes your offense open up like no other. And so I think they're going to try that early in this game, maybe to control some clock too. I think Maryland's going to dominate, but I only think they're going to win by 21 points. Uh, so I think it's going to be a 30-17 um, victory for Maryland in the opener. Um, obviously, the un- that would mean the under 65 hits as well. And Maryland's 1-0 heading
1: on the road against Charlotte in week two. Yes, well, a really interesting road matchup there, by the way, which you know we'll get into Charlotte. Now, we'll get into next week. Excuse me. Charlotte does not look good at all. They got destroyed in week one, uh, if I'm correct, and their starting quarterback got injured as well. But not not to get too ahead of ourselves. We got Buffalo on the radar. Um, a, a good group of five tests for Maryland. Uh, a lot of transfer infusion on that team. Uh, a coach that locks has a lot of respect for. Yeah, I think he went on for about thirty seconds yesterday talking about linguists and how he you know he's utilized the portal to to build that team and that program. Um, but yeah, should be interesting. Um, think we both have some good predictions um we, we need an exact prediction this year uh so we can come back get the clip post it on twitter and, and, yeah. and all the fans we'll definitely worry.
0: be screen grabbing that one if we get an exact prediction need it last year the prediction predictions were brutal um yeah. let's real quick just say i know we said on the last podcast just so it's set in stone uh your record prediction for maryland this year
1: seven and five
0: that's exactly what I have, seven and so five. We had
1: we had different we had different yes. wraps for that. Uh, you want
0: to listen to last week's podcast? We did get there differently. We did a complete schedule breakdown, and I had Maryland. Uh, we we had them taking care of a lot of the easier opponents, but I had them upsetting Penn State to get to that seventh win, or to get to seven and five. And you have them I losing have to Penn State, eating,
1: but eating Purdue, which I don't think. I don't know if you had that one.
0: No, yeah, I did not. I did not. And that'll it's, be a great game to tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yep. And State-Purdue will probably have a better idea
1: of of those two teams, too. But all right, um, anything else? Yeah, I mean, just wanted to say make sure to check out that, you know, predictions article that us, two and Emmett, uh put out. If, if you don't like the audio version, that's there for you written. Um, we'll also get into some Big Ten football as well when that season's, you know, in full swing. Really just, just looking forward to this weekend. You know, college football's here. Terps are back as well. It's uh, here.
0: Maryland's back. This is going to be a great energy on campus for that home opener this Saturday against Buffalo. Uh, We're back. We appreciate everyone listening, and, and enjoy the game this weekend. We'll talk to you next week.